The Boston Bruins shocked the hockey world by making a head coaching change and sparring lots of questions about the future of the team moving forward. Meantime, we got a shocker matchup in the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm just kidding. The Tampa Bay Lightning are back at it, uh, and they have a very formidable opponent. Uh, we will delve very, very deep into this year's Stanley Cup Finals in episode 324 of the Lace Up Podcast, which starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Uh, we'll start with what the heck your Bruins are doing, and the answer to that is beats me. Yeah, same here, honestly. Um, so, so yeah, if you've been living under a rock, or um, and, and I guess Steve kind of spoiled it already, so... Uh, yeah, Bruce Cassidy was fired. Um, I, I guess it all starts um, a couple weeks ago where we we didn't actually mention this on the show because I figured it was like two Bruins news, but um, I figured... And also too soon to tell, soon. like, yeah, yeah. this could be fake news and also, it boils yeah, yeah. over in a couple weeks and right, nothing right, right. happens. And also yeah. just like, um, look, we had other things to talk about. It was around the playoffs as yeah. well. So it was just like, all right, let's 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 wait till like something actually happens. But... There was reports, or like Cam Neely, who is the president of hockey operations for the Bruins, um, had mentioned something in the uh, like you know in the presser after the Bruins were eliminated, and he said something along the lines of like, "Hey, Cassidy, um, you know, like the Bruins need to be better on defense." And then he was very critical of Bruce Cassidy, um, and and he said that like you know we need to like coach our defense pretty better uh, or much better and um that was something as well and he also said that he he does like Cassidy as a coach but he'll leave it to Sweeney to make the decision um and um yeah so then uh two weeks later I think it was like two weeks later um uh Cassidy was fired um and I mean we said this in the Bruins obituary as well like you know just to be clear none of this none the reason why the Bruins didn't get far in the playoffs has anything to do with Bruce Cassidy and his coaching abilities it has everything to do with Don Sweeney and um Cam Neely's incompetent roster management and the fact that they didn't uh address any of their issues in the offseason. They didn't replace David Krejci. Um, yeah, it was a little unfortunate to uh, what happened with Tuka Rask, but, you know, Jeremy Swayman was ready to go, so they were fortunate with that. And Linus Ulmark did start off slow, but he was great. Um, but, like, that, um, like, the reason why the Bruins loss had nothing to do with Bruce Cassidy. In fact, it's a it's amazing that the Bruins even got 100 points with the team that Don Sweeney put together uh, with Cam Neely in charge. Um, there was um, also uh, Sweeney uh, was mentioned that uh, Cassidy 
uh, two things. One was that uh, Cassidy wasn't fired uh, because he thought that he lost the room. Um, and he also said that he... Um, that they are possibly going in a new direction. I'm paraphrasing here, I, like, but like that's basically what he was saying. Um, and so that leads me to believe that there are two things uh, going on. Um, either one, uh, that they have an inside track at getting Barry Trotz, uh, which would be kind of interesting considering how the fact that Barry Trotz was very critical of Patrice Bergeron um, in, uh, in the 2021 20, uh, playoff series and saying that he uh, cheats in the faceoff dots. So that would be interesting if Bergeron stays with the team. Um, and also Cassidy called uh, the Barry Trotz-led led Islanders um, the New York Saints. So it would be kind of crazy to like oh, they're going to, like, replace Barry Trotz um, with the guy that um, they were very critical. It reminds me of uh, how the uh, Golden Knights hired Peter DeBoer after Peter DeBoer uh, beat the, the Golden Knights uh, for his uh, Sharks coach team. But anyways, um, I, I, I do think that Barry Trotz... Well, first off, I don't think Barry Trotz will... Uh, coach the Bruins because he has better options out there. Um, I'm just being realistic here. Um, so I, I and, and plus it's like he wanted to get out of a team that had injuries like you know like the Islanders had a bunch of injuries all this year. He doesn't want to go back into the same situation when like McAvoy, Grizzlick, um, Mike Riley and uh, Marsh uh, and Marshawn are all going to be injured uh, to start the year, and and that's basically what happened with the Islanders. So he he's not going to want to get into this situation. I don't think I would be grateful if that was the case, but he is the only coach available right now that is on par with Bruce Cassidy's, or um, or you know he might be even better uh, just because of the cap situation. Uh, like you know he does have a cup. Uh, which Bruce doesn't. Um, the other reason that I can think of that can that this does um, is that they actually are planning on going on a rebuild, um, and uh, the fact that like Bergeron might be a free agent, the fact that all these are um, you know might be retired, and the fact that um, all those injuries I just mentioned for half the year that's gonna you know, kind of hold the Bruins back. Um, having said that, if this is what Sweeney truly felt, um, then why did he sign Nick Foligno, Derek Forbert, uh, Eric Halla? Um, I'm blanking on all the, Nick Foligno, I think I mentioned Nick Foligno, but all these like, like five free agents who are all veterans. And those guys, you know, if you really believed in the young guys and wanted Bruce Cassidy to uh, actually play these young guys, then why did you like fill the team with a bunch of veterans uh, this year? So that part makes no sense to me. Um, and he also signed uh, John Moore in John free Moore. agency back in 2018, yeah, yeah. who they just traded away. Right. I mean, I I don't really count that. I'm talking more about like this past off season, but yes. That, no, that's but I mean, a... while we're talking about regrettable signings, oh yeah, yeah. Bad. Well, he's had a, a lot of regrettable signings, which brings me. To the other point of like 
Okay, if the Bruins are going to a rebuild, I'm not opposed to that at all. Uh, but I don't trust Don Sweeney to be the GM for that rebuild. Um, like the when you look at like all the guys that he drafted, the only there's only like two guys you could say maybe th- uh, sorry three guys that you can say um, he he actually drafted pretty well. Uh, one is Charlie McAvoy, uh, one is Brandon Carlo, and then one is Jeremy Swayman. Um, and he doesn't, like, you know, who knows about Mason LaRye and J- even Jackson Nicka and um, even Fabian Lysel, who they drafted this year. It's still kind of early to tell with uh, Mason and uh, Lysel, but, you know, there is a chance that maybe Jackson Nicka isn't that good. And there was a reason why Cassidy didn't uh, trust him enough to, to give him more minutes. I still have hope that Sinica can, can be that guy that we all, I, I hyped him to be, but um, I'm, I'm less excited about him now. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I'm not opposed to the fact that we're rebuilding, especially since like pretty much everyone in the Atlantic division is going to be better, and even if you do com- start competing, I'm not sure if the Bruins will be able to compete with Tampa, Florida, and Toronto. Um, and even, you know, Ottawa's getting better, Buffalo's getting better, um, Montreal's about to get Shane Wright, uh, so it's, um, and who knows with Detroit, so it's, um, it's, it's definitely, um, something that I, I can understand if they like decide to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just frustrating. Cause it's like, I was just telling you before the show, uh, that Cassidy said that a week ago, uh, he was told by the Bruins that his job was safe. He did have one more year left on his contract, but, um, but yeah, he, he was told his job was safe. And then, uh, and then the next week, he uh, Don Sweeney invites him over to his house, and Sweeney uh, fires him there. Um, so, so there's that. We also heard stories from uh, Colby Cave's wife, Emily Cave, um, who said that uh, that Bruce Cassidy was uh, Colby's first coach, and uh, he like um, and during his funeral, he, it was one of the most meaningful. Uh, calls that she received was and like I think he even like went to the funeral is just like the fact that like Bruce Cassidy was more than just a coach to Colby Cave which speaks a lot to his own character not just as a coach Um, and the fact that like he said that he's been with the organization since 2008 um, and like he loves the Bruins and even though he's being fired he's still like gonna love the Bruins because of like what they did for him um and like the fact that he said like he he even said like in the media that like he's going to um he wishes the celtics the best of luck in the nba finals so it's just like when you hear all this stuff you're just like damn it's like i like this guy and i'm i'm just so so mad that like this this happened because like yeah i can understand if they are going this rebuild route it's like great cool um and i i can understand cassidy being like not wanting to do that but 
at the same time, he was the Providence coach for many years, so he could, you know, he would still be a good coach for all these young guys. And secondly, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just like, if you are competing, it's like, who are you going to get to replace him? Maybe Barry Trotz. And if you do get Barry Trotz, is he like that much better than Bruce Cassidy? I don't think so. So that's clearly just like Sweeney and Cam Neely trying to cover their own failings as as their own job. And it's just uh, it's just frustrating because it's like I don't even hate the fact that they're they're probably going to be rebuilding. It's just it's just sad. It's just like okay, like I think ever since we'll, we'll get into the past or next situation in a bit. Um, I'm sorry, I'm talking too long. I think you can understand why I'm talking this much um but like you know I, I think the writing was on the wall ever since Krug was out and Charo was let go um it's just like okay this is just the old guard coming out and all that stuff so um yeah what are, what are your thoughts on all this and we'll get to Pasternak and possible coaches for the Bruins and where Cassidy can go in a bit so uh yeah so just like yeah talk about Cassidy <laughs> for, for now so so we'll talk about what led to his dismissal. You said that um, a couple weeks ago it sounded like his job was safe, and then Sweeney told him it wasn't. Right. Which leads me to believe that someone had a change of heart or someone made a decision that Cassidy wasn't the coach. Maybe it wasn't Don Sweeney. Maybe it was Cam Neely. Or maybe it was Jeremy Jacobs who yep. told Cam Neely, hey, um, either get a new coach or get a new job. And he relayed that same message to Don Sweeney, and Don Sweeney's like, "Okay, fine, we'll get a new coach, I guess." And right. then uh, Cassidy was <laughs> yeah the right the, the unfortunate sacrificial. I forgot. To, I for, I think I mentioned it, but Cass uh, Sweeney was asked if there was a, a locker room, like if he lost the locker room, and Sweeney said no, which is just like yeah. so. What's didn't the lose point the of that? Room, yeah, didn't lose the players because that would be the that would that would be the only reason why you would fire someone like that unless like you know if Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak don't like this guy then yeah I can understand why you would fire him but yeah that that part made no sense either it's just like okay then why did you fire him if he's not <laughs> if he didn't lose the locker room um now the part about playing defense better the thing that for the average hockey fan that that doesn't really get into like the advanced stats and just like play-by-play breakdowns of this is how you play defense and this is not right if you look at boston's tenure with bruce cassidy as head coach over parts of six seasons while he was there they were no worse than top 10 in goals against per game which tells you a lot about how good they were at not giving up goals And their offense is also pretty good at scoring goals, so that helps. Um, And the fact that they had a formidable goaltending tandem with Lionel Solmark and Jeremy Swayman heading into this year, that was the big question is, what the heck are they going to do without Tuka Rask and Nett? And they did fine. And in fact, uh, heading into the playoffs, they were one of the hottest teams in the league. So Bruce Cassidy was pushing all the right buttons there. There was one thing heading into the trade deadline that really caught my interest, and that was one of the guys that Bruce Cassidy was showing some tough love to was Jake DeBrus. There were times where he was in the doghouse. There were times he was a healthy scratch from the lineup. 
and obviously uh, one of uh, Don Sweeney's first picks and heavily scrutinized for it. Again, rookie GM in his first NHL draft, I'll let it yep. slide. But still a big yikes no matter where he goes. It'll always remain with him. The three consecutive Bruins picks and what they did with him. And Jake DeBrus was the second on the list. Instead of trading him like everyone expected because um, he asked for a trade out of town, they gave him a two-year extension, which now in the power of hindsight, I'm thinking, is this a case where Bruce Cassidy has got to deal with the pieces that we have in place, and if he can't, then we'll get a new coach who can The thing is, I don't know if the new coach that they get, even if it's Barry Trotz, can do any better because you look at who the Bruins lost to in the playoffs. Uh, like obviously, yeah, those game sevens against the Leafs, they did pretty well in that regard, but they lost to Tampa twice. And I don't know if you heard, but Tampa Bay is a very good hockey team. And in one of those years, Tampa won the freaking thing. Uh, they also lost to the blues and they were one win away from the Stanley cup that year. So you can't say Bruce Cassidy didn't get you past the second round. Cause he did, he got you into the final round and actually extended it to a game seven because Boston was down three, two in that series and they forced game seven at home. So they, they showed a lot of fight uh, with Bruce Cassidy at the helm in 2019, only his uh, second full season there, if I remember correct. Yeah. And then there's, um, then there's of course uh, the Carolina series uh, this year, notably that uh, the Bruins came up short in other than that. I mean, like there, there are no slouches that the Bruins lost to. The Bruins lost to some very good teams. They've beaten some very good teams along the way. And Bruin and Bruce Cassidy was brought in to inject some life into a core that had some gas left in the tank and could still get it done. And he proved that their best years weren't behind them. They were ahead of them. You look at Brad Marchand, what he's done under Bruce Cassidy. You look at David Pasternak and the superstar he's blossomed into under Bruce Cassidy. Patrice Bergeron remains a stud. Surprise, surprise. Uh, David Krejci as well had some pretty good years there. And you know what? The secondary depth issues, that's not his problem. He, he's got he's to do the best that he can with the group that he has at the table. And part of the reason why they have that group at the table is because of the GM who makes all the signings and makes all the trades and drafts people. The way I see it, all of this is driven by the Bruins' lack of ability to keep the prospect cupboards completely full which is what Tampa's been able to do. The Bruins have had some as have had some gems. I'll give credit to Don Sweeney on a couple of things. There's Mason Lurie who could turn into something. Yep. Fabian Lysel, uh, maybe Pasternak 2.0, who really knows. And Brandon Carlo, I'll give him credit. He drafted Brandon Carlo as well. And all of the names that you mentioned, those, those were some good names, like Charlie McAvoy, for example, yep. and Jeremy Swayman. But outside of that, that's all that they have. And the majority of the future that they have is on the team currently. So if the prospect system isn't going to do you much good, then you've got to go through free agency. Okay, well, free agency, let's see. If Bergeron leaves, here's the options down the middle that they have. 
A career season Nazem Kadri, who has 87 points in 71 games, not sure if he lives up to the hype. He's 31 right now. Claude Giroux, 65 points in 75 games. He's 34. Pierre-Luc Dubois, RFA, you're going to have to trade to get him. Josh Norris, same thing. You'll have to trade to get him. Ryan Strom, anyone's guess as to how good he could be for the Bruins, and he's currently 28. Same with Vincent Trocek, who is currently in Carolina. And then if you wanted to try and pry Evgeny Malkin from Pittsburgh, go ahead, but he's 35 as well, and uh, he's had some injuries in the past too. And beyond that, it's just deaf guys like Nick Paul, Sam Gagne, et cetera, et cetera. So you get the point. There's only so much they can do, and they might have to overpay to get guys. The other problem is, well, okay, now how much money is left for David Pasternak? Oh, and then you got to get Jeremy Swayman locked up too? Okay, fantastic. Oh, right. that Charlie McAvoy contract is kicking in next year? Fantastic. There's more salary cap issues to deal with there. So at that point, if you keep David, uh, it, or, and we'll get to this in a bit, if you go into a rebuild mode, right? who's not going to be a part of it and who are you going to get full value for yep. because if your best chance to get full value is taylor hall i'm sorry boston he's not full value taylor hall like he was three or four years ago it's that simple he's not the guy anymore he's a good secondary scorer but he's not the primary superstar talent that we thought he was when he had that mvp season I mean, he's still, like, not bad. He's not, like, Jeff Skinner or yeah. something. But, yeah, I, I but do, he's not going to get full yeah. value like Pastor oh, yeah. could on oh, his yeah, yeah, contract, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, are you are you done? Or... Yeah, I'm okay. done, yeah. Got it. I, I wasn't <laughs> Sorry sure. Sorry for rambling, yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I rambled. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine, too. Yeah. Needless to say, um, this isn't Bruce Cassidy's yeah. fault. I don't know if they can do better with a different coach. Yep. And the Bruins management is covering their own ass. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I will say that, um, yeah, I guess we, I, I will say that in terms of like coaches that the Bruins could get the biggest, um, or the biggest rumor right now, I guess there's two big rumors. One is, um, I think it's Jay Leach, who's the assistant coach for the Seattle Kraken. He has some connection with the Bruins. Uh, the other one was Nate Lehman, who's the Providence College coach uh, which would be interesting because like you know that usually you know college coaches are hit or miss um it seems um the other one that i was thinking of i mean other than uh, ideally i would love barry trotz just because he is the best coach available but i don't i assume he's probably already decided he's probably just waiting till after the finals are over um but uh i guess it's it's not out of the picture, but I, if I were Barry Trotz, I'd probably choose Vegas um, instead of Bruins. Um, just if, if he wants to coach uh, uh, a decent team. Uh, but um, the other uh, ones that I had heard were uh, David Quinn. Uh, he did coach Charlie McAvoy back and Grizzlick uh, back at BU. So that would be interesting. Um, and then there was another one that I'm blanking on, the guy who was fired from the Dallas Stars. Why am I blanking on his name? Um, uh, Rick Bonus. Rick Bonus, yeah. That, uh, he uh, he actually, co fun fact, he actually coached Don Sweeney and uh, Cam Neely back in the day. So that could be like, if, if they're going old boys club, that would be the option. 
I wouldn't be too upset about that, but it would be kind of crazy. I will say, if we are going old boys club, uh, let's do it right. Let's uh, hire Mark Savard. Uh, he uh, he's uh, he's now a coach now, so that would be kind of cool if if we got a former player like that. But um, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Um, and yeah, it would be kind of funny if uh, Bergeron stays because uh, Mark Savard was a teammate of Bergeron and Marshawn too, if Marshawn, uh, once Marshawn's, Marshawn's healthy. Um, that, yeah. uh, that David Quinn story is interesting yeah. because when they talk about uh, playing defense differently yeah. and better, uh, wasn't part of the reason that David Quinn was fired is that the Rangers didn't really play good defense yeah, fair. I mean, Which, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I'm, I only say that just because of, of his connection with uh, McAvoy and Grizzlick. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. But, for sure. but yeah, but I, in, I hear what you're saying. In terms of getting the team what they actually yeah, want. I'm not sure if he's the best fit. That That's fair. Yeah. Um, maybe a good assistant coach, like if he runs the power play, maybe. Yeah, but. no, no, that, that's totally fair. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it's just uh, there's that. In terms of where Cassidy is going, I think what's going on right now, there's a lot of job openings available. Um, He'd be a good fit for a lot, honestly. Yeah, a lot, a lot of teams. Um, by the way, I was just thinking about this, that Trotz and uh, Cassidy both won Jack Adams recently. So I think that streak is still alive. Uh, so I, I think Daryl Sutter won the Jack Adams this year. So watch out, Jack Sutter. Or Daryl Sutter, you're, you're next, I th- it looks like. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, um, yeah, I, w- I would imagine Cassidy will probably be hired by some team. Um, I, I would imagine, I think there's like a rumor that uh, Trotz is, has been talking a lot to Winnipeg. Um, if that's true, I mean, that wouldn't be terrible for, uh, for Trotz, but I, I imagine... Uh, Winnipeg and Philly might have Trotz's number. Oh, at interesting. The Philly I also would be hear interesting Philly's too. Linked to Torts. I think we mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think of all the open markets, I think the best two options are Vegas and Winnipeg. Uh, Philly. I'd kind say of Vegas and Dallas, honestly. Oh yeah, Dallas. I think is he looked one. really good in Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is an interesting one too. But I think right now it's like. You know who's probably really pissed about this Cassidy firing is probably uh, it's Barry Trotz because <laughs> because Barry Trotz had a pick of the litter, but then you add a coach who's equally as good, um, you might um, you, you know you, you don't have the pick of the litter anymore. Uh, so, um, but I mean I would imagine Trotz has does have that like you know he did have a couple of weeks where he could decide on who he goes. Too. Um, the, the one wild card I will say, sorry to interject again, Brett. The one wild card I'll say for Bruce Cassidy might be Ottawa. I mean, oh, I yeah. know they already have DJ Smith, but yeah. let it be known, Bruce Cassidy grew up in Ottawa. Yeah, and if, if the Sens want to make a really bold move to yeah. kind of show people that they're ready to win sooner than people think, Bruce Cassidy yeah. might be the guy to hire for that. And especially if Cassidy's like really like holds a grudge against the Bruins like there's nothing better than <laughs> holding a grudge against like uh the team in your division so uh yeah that would totally that could totally happen and I don't even blame Cassidy for doing that but yeah I could I could definitely see that happening um anyways um the last thing before we get going um Pasternak um as Steve had alluded to he has one more year left on his contract 
Um, there, uh, and he's expected to be paid big. So if the Bruins do, I'm, I, I'm of the opinion that uh, Pasternak should be signed no matter what. Even if you do decide to rebuild, he's going to be uh, like the player that you you build your team around. Even still, he's still 26 years old, so you know you can still do it. It would be like you know Panarin on the Rangers. It's like yeah, he's you know the, the Bruins probably aren't going to win the cup anytime during his prime, but even still, he's like the the person you want on your team. However, there was a report from Fluto Shinazawa. Um, it kind of got misrepresented in, in the uh, media that, uh, that like Pasternak wants out and, and the Bruins are shopping him or whatever, which was furthest from the truth. And I'm just going to read an excerpt here. Um, after the 2019-20 season, Tory Krug's contract was expiring. Bruins general manager Don Sweeney did not stand in the way of the defenseman's exit to St. Louis. A year later, David Krejci's deal was up. Upon season's end, Krejci considered relocating his family to Chechia. Sweeney did not make it worth it the center's while to change his mind. In both cases, David Pasternak was watching. 88 has seen how Don has treated his two best friends. A source close to Pasternak wrote The Athletic in a text. No chance he comes back with Sweeney's as GM. And that, that tells... But like there may like the Pasternak has denied these reports. Sweeney has denied these reports. The Bruins management said that as soon as uh, they can, they're going to talk with Pasternak for a resigning, and that may be true. However, I I do think that there is some truth to this. Unfortunately for me, because I love David Pasternak, he's my favorite player, um, and um, yeah, if. Like, I, I think the thing that's frustrating about this is if you look at, like, the Jack Eichel situation, they chose the, you know, they they picked the the front office um, instead of the player. And, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a different situation because, like, the player wanted to go. Um, but if you, if you ever want to, like, pick between the player and the GM... It's the player every single time, especially with David Pasternak. Um, he's like the best player right now. Yeah, he's still 26 years old. Um, and yeah, he so like this should be like an indication of like, hey, like Bruins, like, you know, Sweeney was Sweeney's the issue. If like, like whatever happens with Bergeron is whatever, but Pasternak should be your top priority in order to resign. And yes, I I can understand if Pasternak wants to go. Fine, I get it. But um, you know he hasn't won a cup yet. He you know and he deserve and if, if the Bruins are planning on rebuilding, I totally get why he would want to go. So I mean, it may just be me in denial at the moment. But at the same time, if you're the Bruins, you have to do everything you can. To make sure Pasternak re-signs with the Bruins. Um, whatever that is, even if it's going to hurt your long-term future plans, I don't even care. As long as Pasternak's still on the team. Um, and um, yeah, and as I mentioned, like, okay, if you're going to rebuild, fine, I get it. But Pasternak's going to help you with that rebuild. He, It's not like Brad Marchand or Taylor Hall who are towards the end of their career. Um 
and I, you know, I don't like those guys are fine, but like, you know, if, if they want to go, then yeah, try to try to trade them as much as it would hurt me. Um, I totally get it. Um, and uh, the only, but like, you don't, you don't trade David Pasternak because you, you cannot win a David Pasternak trade. Um, the only way you would win a David Pasternak trade is like a 2022 first round pick, a 23 first round pick, a 24 first round pick, like all the picks, maybe a prospect and a roster player. Um, it's like, it would be impossible. And um, yeah, so so I, I vehemently do not want this to happen as long as, um, uh, uh, like, if Pasternak says that, hey, I want to leave the Bruins and has requested a trade, I'm still sticking with the fact that you do not trade this guy um, at all. And to the point that I'm, I might be even threatening, I'm not going to be a Bruins fan if uh, the Bruins decide to keep Don Sweeney over David Pasternak. Um, so you're saying if David Pasternak requests yeah. a trade and the Bruins lose him for nothing in free agency, you'd rather that than they trade him? Um, I wouldn't. I would not want him to lose lose him to free agency. Um, but I will say that yes, the only the only thing that I'll accept is if Pasternak wants to go. Uh, everything else, I would, uh, and I can completely understand if he wants to go. I'll always love him uh, wherever he goes. But um, but yeah, it's I, I I just don't I just don't see how. Um, the Bruins can even be a respectable, not like a respectable organization, but it like, you know, bringing it back to your Sens situation, it's like, yeah, this is what happens when you have your consequences. If the Sens are going to trade Eric Carlson, then yeah, Mark Stone's like, you know what? I, I don't want to be a part of this team either. And he goes and, you know, same with Matt Duchesne and same with all these like Sens players. It's like, and you know, and you mentioned before, it's like you know the the Thomas Shabbat was huge because it's a sign for Brady Kachuk, it's a sign for Drake Batherson, it's a sign for every young guy on the Suns team that like, hey, the Bruins are gonna lock up your 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 team, um, and it's like yes, you you let go of a guy like Eric Carlson and Mark Stone, but you know, you, you, like you know, you, they're they're gonna do that, and David Pasternak, so if. And so Pasternak's like saying like, hey, you know, you treated my friend Ter- Tory Krug unfairly. You um, you made David Krejci want to leave and retire and go to the Czech Republic. So uh, so yeah, I, I could totally understand why he's um, he's upset about this. Um, if this is all true, I should spe- I should <laughs> mention that as well. But I don't know. It's just um, it's just frustrating. I know I'm. I said that I would talk about this shortly, but, uh, but yeah, we, we, we do have to get it going, but yeah, it's just, uh, like it's, it's more of like a sign of like, Hey, the Bruins know what they're doing. If you trade David Pasternak, that's going to set the Bruins, um, back so much further than what they are at the moment. I totally get where you're coming from. And as a fan, I get how much that hurts. It takes me back to Eric Carlson this time in 2018, where he was on an expiring contract coming up. The Sens gave him an offer, supposedly. He argues they didn't. They never did. But the Sens claimed they gave him an offer. Carlson turned it down. 
And then shortly after that, and this was, of course, after Mike Hoffman was traded to San Jose and then yep. traded a millisecond later to Florida. Um, eventually, a couple months down the road, they trade Eric Carlson. And a lot of people said, you're not going to win this trade because Eric Carlson's going the other way. That trade, because sure. of injuries and what the picks turned out to be, honestly hasn't looked as bad as I thought. And I'm not going to say that if you trade away David Pasternak, you're going to luck out and yeah. you're going to get a decent return. It's very tough to argue that when you look at his numbers over the course of 2016-17 to today. He's been a solid playoff performer. He's been a solid regular season performer. He's probably at the top of shots on goal uh, since 2016-17. In terms of goals, he's probably right up there with the NHL greats of today. Yep. And it's very tough to argue that, you know what, the Bruins did all right. They they got a fair amount of value for David Pasternak. Yep. And you're right, the message that it sends is is going to be problematic if people take it the wrong way. And right. I totally get that. The difference between the Sens situation is a lot of those guys that they trade away were also on expiring contracts. Yep. If you piss off Charlie McAvoy, you've got a lot of term and dollar to dish out, and not a lot of teams will be willing to take that on. Yep. And if you decide to give Pasternak what he wants and Sweeney's no longer the GM and things don't work out and your team is struggling, well, then all of a sudden you're paying Pasternak a lot of money and it, you're faced with the decision maybe in three to four years you have to rebuild. Well, then maybe you're not going to get as full value for Pasternak with five or six years left at nine plus million than you could uh, David Pasternak one year before he's about to get paid in his prime. So that's that's kind of the options from a business perspective that I'm thinking of when it comes to what the Bruins do with Pasternak. And you're right, Brett. It is going to determine what they could do moving forward. Yep. It's It factors even more into the Bruins' retirement. Yep. And in fact, uh, of Patrice Bergeron, potentially. And I will sure. say one more thing. This will be the second biggest story talked about all across the board in the entire NHL until it's done the first is how much nathan mckinnon's going to make on his next deal the second is what happens with Pasternak. right right yeah i um i will say that i mean they're like already well first off the air carlson uh situation is just a little bit different just because um he was 29 at the time um and um and the fact that he did have some injury history as well, so True. there is there yep. is some of that too. I, I, Pasternak has been injured in the past, but not like like Eric Carlson has. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's that. And yeah, you're you're totally right. Like you know, they uh, it ended up working out for you guys. Like Josh Norris is one of it's like one of the more underrated players in the league who you got in in that trade. Um, so it was definitely. Um, good for you guys in the long run and Eric Carlson hasn't it probably helps the fact that Eric Carlson hasn't been as good as we all thought he would be on the Sharks so um and a lot of that has to do with injury so there's totally that that factor uh the second thing I I just want to mention that if the Bruins do go on a rebuild which it is looking that way there's only three players that you cannot trade that's uh, Charlie McAvoy Jeremy Swayman and David Pasternak everyone else um like, yeah, it would hurt me if Brad Marchand wants to go, but I totally get it. Uh, same with Taylor Hall, I totally get it. 
Um, but um, but yeah, those those are the only three guys that you have to hold on to. Um, and um, yeah, and I think there is a part of it that like the Bruins did trade a lot of their first round picks over the years, um, and and now they're they're making up for it, and that's kind of like what the Chicago Blackhawks are doing now, and. Uh, the LA Kings were doing a couple, you know, before they made the playoffs, and um, it's just what a lot of teams have had to do. It's it's what the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to eventually have to do. So um, it's just like the price of what happens when you've been so good for so long, um, and you know, naturally your farm system's not going to be as good. But um, but yeah, that's like, you know, you have to. I'm not sure. Like, yeah, and Fabian Lysel could be the next David Pasternak, but you know what's better than the could be David Pasternak? Uh, the actual David Pasternak. So, um, so uh, yeah, and and you know, I, I think a lot of it depends on what Patrice Bergeron decides to do. Um, if he decides to retire, um, which he could. Um, he will, you know, I think the Bruins then start to like rebuild fully. Um, but if, um, but if, if Bergeron's like, you know what, I'm going to kick it for one more year. I like this new coach or whatever. Then I, I think they do try to try to do it for one more year. Um, but, um, and I guess the coach's decision will do too. Uh, there was a report that, uh, maybe like Bergeron and Cassidy didn't get along and Bergeron uh, re, uh, retorted or replied back saying that was not the case, the furthest from the truth. He loves Bruce Cassidy. And that makes me wonder um, if this like firing of Cassidy is um, it's going to like hurt Bergeron's chances of coming back. Because uh, if, if that is true, then it's like, okay, well then maybe Bergeron's just going to retire. Um, he has said that he doesn't want to sign with another team but it's very possible that like you know that he is up, upset about this move as well so that's another thing to consider too yeah I mean the sign of things to come was yep. probably the Stanley Cup final game seven against St. Louis right the beginning of the end might be the Cassidy firing and the end might be if Pasternak leaves well I actually think the beginning of the end was when uh Tori Krug and uh was let go and Chara was let go but yes yeah you're, you're yeah true that that's a minor footnote for sure yeah. but um it but, de- yeah, definitely I, I given the glaring what the actual hell uh with the Cassidy stuff that that yeah. probably takes the cake for me yeah also if you trade Pat uh, if you date if you trade Brad Marshall that's totally fine uh just make sure he doesn't go to Washington because him and Tom Wilson on the same team <laughs> will make me vomit <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, that the, there's always that common saying with Brad Marchand is like, you you love him when he's on your team, but you hate him when he's not. Uh, I'm going to find out firsthand what, what what that's like. So I'm not looking forward to it. Well, I, you, can't look your, you can't look your players anymore. So yeah, yeah, that's true. That. I imagine it's going to be the same thing that I feel about Milan Lucic, where it's like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, I love, I love Lucic. I'll never hate him, but it's like, all right, I can understand why people <laughs> don't like it. Um, yeah. um, all right. Um, so we're actually, uh, on that note, I, I know we went long, but I think it's understandable. Um, so we're going to, uh, so the there's a Stanley Cup Finals to preview, and there's an obituary to 
we have two obituaries to get to. Uh, the first one is the Edmonton Oilers. They got swept by the Colorado Avalanche. Um, there was reports that Leon Dreisaitl was like, he was he was playing on like a broken ankle, which is insane when you think about it because he still had Eric Carlson-esque. Yeah, very Eric Carlson-esque. You could also make a case that the reason why Eric Carlson is the way that he is right now is because he did play while injured for so long. Because of that, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's like, I am curious, to, like, as impressive as it was, I am curious of, like, how how good Leon Dreisaitl can be in the long term if he, like, that was very stunned. Like, there's, um, we didn't talk about this last week, but uh, Bergeron was apparently uh, uh, getting surgery on his, uh, like, uh, elbow or something like that. So it's like, Bergeron was playing create uh like very very good like his best hockey of his life on a like w- without being a hundred percent um which you absolutely love yeah let, which is crazy the record show oh yeah absolutely love people playing but but i i as you know yeah that's my big pet peeve there's all i'm gonna say that there's only two players okay yeah there's only two players that i can say that can get away with it one is patrice bergeron and and i'm now adding leon dreisaitl to that list um okay. he can get away with it but uh, everyone else, you're you're an idiot, and I still don't even really condone Drysaddle and Bergeron playing injured. But um, I, I, it's like it's impossible for me to like say like, well, actually. Um, so it's like it's very clear that those two guys are superhuman and not not real. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, Edmonton. It's, and uh, Darnell Nurse was also playing very injured as well. Um, so that was... Um, and then, yeah, I think the writing on the wall was when Mike Smith just did not look that great like he was in the Calgary series. And he didn't even look that great in the Calgary series. So, um, so yeah, it was basically Connor McDavid um, kind of carrying the team the entire time. And as good as Connor McDavid has been in the playoffs, like, that's just not going to cut it. Um, so... Um, and, and Leon Dreisaitl did give it his best shot, but I guess he's just going to have to, to go forward. Um, they're going to have an interesting offseason, though. Um, in terms of RFAs, you have uh, Ryan McLeod, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, and Kalier Yamamoto. Um, in terms of UFAs, you have Josh Archibald, Derek Broussard, Evander Kane, Skivier, uh, Kyle Turris, Brett Kulak and Chris Russell. Oh, and, and Miko Koskinen. Although I think there was a report that Koskinen's going to go to the KHL. Um, so we'll see. Um, so I would assume that I, I am curious to see what they do with Evander Kane. Uh, there is still like a report that he may just like there was something weird with his contract to begin with with the Sharks. So um, so yeah, it's going to be a weird situation. Um, Yamamoto and Pugliarvi will probably be the big uh, players that they're going to try to sign, um, but they are going to, they're RFAs, so it's probably likely going to be like a team-friendly deal. So that'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, and it, yeah, I, I think they, they will have to address the, the, um, the goaltending situation because uh, Mike Smith is 40 years old right now. Um, he's not going to, he's not a starter, um, and they have to get a goaltender. I would, I would imagine they'll try to get Philly Huso, but given their cap space issues, um, 
I'm not sure if Philly Huso will want to go to Edmonton, uh, just because he could be making a lot more money elsewhere, but um, but maybe he's looking at what the Oilers were able to do, and he's like, you know what, I, I want to win a cup, and he can sign for less than what he's worth. Um, also, but, playing on the same team as McDavid would yep. be a pretty good sweetener to take less money, and, exactly. and he would be get a more start. playing time. I think he would honestly get more playing yep. time on the Oilers than he would on the Blues, especially... Yep. Given the fact that the Blues have already committed that much money to Bennington. Yep. So Huso would be the obvious choice, um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, they'll definitely have to address it um, at some point. Uh, there's also a report that uh, Duncan Keith might retire, uh, which would mean that the Chicago Blackhawks would have to. It would suck for the Blackhawks because they have that recapture penalty thing. And, oh, the bad karma just never stops for that yeah, team, huh? It's, it's karma there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know you feel so bad for the Blackhawks, right? Yeah. Speaking uh, of guys on expiring contracts, watch yeah. out for Keenan Taves. That'll be number three yeah. item on the list. Right, right, right. Well, I don't think Taves or Kane are going to retire, but uh, but yeah. That, no, that, but I mean, like, what happens with them beyond this? Oh season, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, that's definitely true. Um, and um, yeah. So so that that would be. That would be interesting if that's what ends up happening, and it would help the Oilers big time if, if that's what Keith decides to do. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. What What are your thoughts on the Oilers? Honestly, the Edmonton Oilers got everything they possibly could out of Evander Kane on the ice. Evander Kane did everything he could to prove that he belonged on this team. And he did everything to prove that he'd be worth a big investment. And he did everything to prove why he could come back this coming season. But uh, he he made that post uh, to Edmonton fans thanking them for their support. And that kind of leads me to believe that this isn't a guy that's uh, a slam dunk guarantee to get a new contract with the Oilers. And honestly... With all of that off-ice baggage, I don't care how he performs. Yep. There are a lot of glaring needs the Oilers need to address. And as good as Evander Kane has been, even if it was at a team-friendly price, I don't know if I'm willing to commit to a guy where things off the ice could just blow up at any moment. There's there, I think Edmonton would just be walking on eggshells just hoping that nothing bad happens. Um, it's it, it's that that baggage is just so bad for Vander Kane right now. Any team that's taking him on right now is putting themselves at a major risk. And if he asks for you know prime time money, it's just like okay, I, I did what you guys need. Uh, now I'll take six million per year. I'd be like no. Right. Oilers are going to have to get creative. Maybe they get depth signings like Valerie Nachushkin. Valerie Nachushkin could be a decent option. Maybe you look at Andre Burakovsky. You got some cap hit coming off the books, but again, you also have Tyler Benson uh, as an RFA. Um, if you thought Brendan Berlini could be a minor league option, I guess keep him in the mix too. But the big ones, again, like you mentioned, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi and Cal Yamamoto in terms of RFAs, they're the biggest names there. Um, you also need to shore up the goaltending, which again, not too many big name options there. It 
if they had to go through any of the central teams in the first or second round, I don't think the Oilers honestly make it this far uh, because of their inconsistent goaltending. And I will say Mike Smith did have his moments where he played very well. He also had his not-so-good moments. And now one of the young goaltenders uh, in your system, you just waved, and he hasn't even played a single NHL game, who you decided to keep around and trade down so you couldn't take Jesper Wallstead because he had, yeah, we have Ilya Konovalov, who really cares, uh, but we don't anymore. So that's unfortunate. Also, Evan Bouchard is due for a new contract after next season. So, yep. So now when you consider all of that cap space that they have, it's mostly going to be focused on keeping the RFAs um, within the roster. And you also have to consider the amount of money you're going to have to dish out beyond that. So you're kind of restricted on how much term and dollars you can really commit moving forward, especially considering last offseason, you got Zach Hyman from Toronto and extended Ryan Nugent Hopkins, both on pretty decent deals but again the term it's like six seven eight years that's a long time and you also have darnell nurse's new cap hit uh, kicking in this year so have fun with that now duncan keys pending retirement it might be able to help them but i'm not banking on duncan keys retirement to help out so i need to consider okay what options what contracts are expendable zach cassian he obviously provides a bit of grit a bit of toughness bit of an antagonistic personality that I think uh, the Oilers could definitely use, but he costs 3.2 million for the next two years. I consider moving away from that. He's also 31 years old. Tyson Berry is currently 30, making 4.5 million per year over the next two years. Evan Bouchard on an entry level deal had better numbers than Tyson Berry. And he was getting more primetime chances to succeed in the playoffs than Tyson Berry was. It also doesn't help their defense when uh, Oscar Kleffbaum has missed considerable amounts of time the past couple of years. In fact, he hasn't played in two to three years. I think people forget he's even on the roster, but uh, his contract is set to expire at the end of the season if he even plays. So there are a lot of question marks uh, to suggest that, yes, the Edmonton Oilers have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and all of these pieces to build around. And they definitely showed that um, the best years could be ahead of them but short term i think they're at risk of taking a step back depending on how their offseason goes yeah yeah um yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what they do i think they're one of the more fascinating teams um in this offseason i think it's like partially just because obviously they have two of the best players in the league um and the best player, one of those is the best player in the league. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's just now it's just like okay, how do you how do you build your team around those two guys? Um, yeah, so it, it should be interesting for sure. Um, and and yeah, just the fact that like the Oilers made it to the Western Conference Finals when uh, their goalie is a forty year old and two of their core players were injured beyond belief. So it's just like, now imagine what you can do if you had a better roster. Um, and, um, and yeah, so that, that, and I think, yeah, then they're, they're in better shape than like, say, um, the, you, uh, 
yeah, I guess they're in better. Sh- they might be better shaped than the Toronto Maple Leafs because I feel like they have a similar cap management system. But yeah, actually, I don't know. I take that back. Um, but they also don't have a second, a third, and a fourth this year because they traded those away. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Thankfully, they do have a first, which uh, Toronto typically doesn't have. Yeah, but Toronto does have a first, as you mentioned. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I they, think they also have Nick Robertson and Rasmus Sandin. Fair, but like the Oilers have Dylan Holloway and Carter Savoy. Yeah, I just don't know if the sample size is big enough for me to say yeah they're ready for the NHL. That's fair. That's the fair. Only fair. Question that I have. Well, Dylan Dylan Holloway did play a little bit, um, or I think he played the the game four um, because Evander Kane was out, but. Um, yeah, and they also have Carter Savoie to be fair, and Raphael yeah. Lavoie and Xavier Bourgeau. There, there's definitely potential there, but in terms of guys that can help them going into next season, that's that's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, I mean, Broberg looks good. Uh, Yamamoto and Puyarvi have been a little bit um, disappointing, but uh, you know, at the same time, they have shown flashes of what they can be. So it's just. Yeah, they're NHL you know, players, no they're, question. They're, yeah, and, but they're young. Same with Evan least. Bouchard. Yeah, Bouchard's another one. And Nurse has been pretty good, too. But, yeah, I don't know. By the way, uh, Darnell Nurse, I think he had a torn hip flexor that he played through yeah, the entire it's playoffs. It's insane. Uh, so now we go to the Rangers. Uh, we're actually going to uh, – yeah, they um, they actually put up quite a big fight. Um, then um, – then yeah, the the lightning woke up because of course they did, um, and yeah, they won. Uh, the lightning ended up winning four straight, and you know I I think the the Rangers kind of overachieved a little bit this year, or they're like a little bit ahead of schedule, but that's exactly what you want out of the Rangers um, on this team. It's just like you know that's a good thing. You you like you know Lafreniere showed flashes, Heedle showed flashes. Um, Kako was a healthy scratch in game six, but uh, but yeah, he, he still like, you know, was a part of that kid line that we talked about last week. So it's like they're 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 looking pretty good or things are looking up for them. Uh, what was interesting though was that like Ryan Strom was injured here and there uh, throughout the series and um, and when he was out of the games, the Rangers looked like a completely different team. They looked like the team that we were staring at last year. So um so that that was interesting, um, and yeah, I wonder if like Philip Heedle's ready for the step up. I'm not sure if he is, um, or if he can be as consistent as Ryan Strom has been. But um, which we're about to get to, Ryan Strom is a UFA this year. Uh, same with Andrew Kopp, Greg McKegg, Tyler Mott, uh, Ryan Strom. I just mentioned Kevin Rooney, Frank Vitrano, and then you have Justin Braun as UFAs. Um, in terms of RFAs, you have Capo Caco and a Julian Gauthier. Um, so it will be interesting to see what they do with Ryan Strom um, and Andrew Kopp. Um, I, you know, like, I I get the, like, Andrew Kopp did have a great playoffs. Um, but uh, I don't know. I maybe, if I had to guess, I think Ryan Strom stays with the Rangers. Um but um, but I, I'm not entirely sure. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think this is the end of the road for the Rangers um, because they have so many young guys. Shashurkin is uh, 26 years old, so you still have a few more years with him. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, 
You may not get this level of play from Panarin or Zabinijad again, but or Chris Kreider, but I, I think it, like ultimately, if you were like you know, if the let's say the Rangers win a cup in five years, we're gonna be like you know what the Rangers learned from that experience in 2022, and um, and it was ultimately a big help for guys like Lafreniere and um, Kako and and Heedle. Um, and K. Andre Miller um, and Adam Fox and guys like that. So, uh, so they still have like a good young core with them, and they'll be back. It's just, um, it's just well, like you know, it might look a little different. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do in the off season because there are also guys on expiring contracts that uh, that uh, they could trade for, or they really invest in uh, the youth movement and they sacrifice some of that cap space. Uh, yeah. We mentioned off air, you know, what if they trade Chris Kreider? I mean, yep. his value probably won't be this high for the rest of his career. Like he had a monster season and it continued in the playoffs. And he has a lot of term and a lot of dollars still committed to him over the next five years. So if you want to keep guys like Kako and Kittle and Lafreniere on the roster long term, mm. while still being able to build on top of what you have and keeping the depth guys intact, um, maybe moving a guy like Chris Kreider is is what it is what it takes. So um, interested to see what the yep. what they do with Chris Kreider at 31 by the way he's 31 years old currently um, they have Lafreniere waiting in the wings at left wing and he showed a lot of promise in the playoffs as we mentioned with the with the young guys there and yeah they, they also have a lot of prospects like Brendan Hoffman having a great season uh, in the OHL this year they signed Bobby Trevigno uh, one of the best NCAA players this year yeah, uh, Vitaly Kraftov is back as yeah, well from uh, the KHL yeah. uh, signed a short term one year deal there you also will uh, Will Coyle in uh, the system too cool, well, yeah. um, on defense you have Braden Schneider Nils Lundqvist as well and uh, some interesting goalie prospects um, that maybe could play second field to uh, Shishirkin someday. What they uh, do in the backup situation is also going to be an interesting question there. Um, and as well, uh, Keandre Miller, one year left of his entry-level deal before he becomes an RFA. Yep. Um, so heading into next season, it'll be important to not really overcommit on uh, the cap long-term because you have Panarin and Sabanajad locked up uh, to those deals. Um, and speaking of guys that performed in the playoffs, Mika Sabanajad, if not for McDavid and Dreisaitl, is pretty much near the top or at the very top of uh, the NHL scoring race in the playoffs. So, uh, like you mentioned, he played uh, great hockey too. Yep. Andrew Kopp, in terms of UFAs, I think they should keep. Andrew Kopp, I think they should um, I'm interested to see what the price tag could be, but he's one of your best penalty killers. And uh, while he wasn't a point of game player like he was uh, with the Rangers in the regular season, um, I would still call those respectable playoff numbers at the same time. Tyler Mott, if the price is right, maybe keep him as well. Ryan Strom, uh, uh, Frank Vitrano, again, if the price is right, I keep him too. Ryan Strom is interesting because. While he does give you a little bit of depth on that second line and he has a lot of chemistry that made that secondary scoring really sing this year, there are some options on the open market that they could go to. Um, yep. Like we mentioned uh, when we were talking about um, 
when we were talking about uh, the Bruins and, and and all of those guys, you have the short-term options like uh, Valerie Nachushkin, Burkowski, I don't know if he'd fit on the left side, but if he can play uh, the right side, that could be an option there too. Um, it, it could be a creative offseason for Chris Drury, so I'm intrigued to see what the Rangers do. The one thing that I hope doesn't happen is regression because we yeah. saw what Gerard Gallant after that big season he had in Florida – they started to regress a little bit after that, and then he was out of a job. The same thing, to an extent, happened with Vegas, even though um, I don't think he was given a fair shake and a fair chance to right the ship over there. But uh, needless to say, they did regress after that 2017-18 campaign where they went to the finals with Galan at the helm, and that was their first season of existence. So now that the Rangers have gone to the conference finals, I want to see them build on this. I want to see them back in the conference finals and perhaps reach the finals next year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good that's a good call. Um, it was funny as soon so you mentioned Chris Kreider. We did talk about this off air, but uh, I I was looking at Twitter at that time. As soon as you said Chris Kreider, I saw that he was trending on Twitter, and I was just like, huh, interesting. This is like the podcast jinx come to life. I was like, I wonder what what's going on. I found out that. Um, uh, something that was a tell here, uh, He uh, this is from a reporter from the Yes Network, and they it's the, it's, it stands for the Yankees Network, but they also uh, yeah. they also do Ranger games. Um, but uh, so it's Seth Rothman. Uh, he said that, as with his custom all year, Chris Kreider greeted every player coming off the ice after the game. The ESPN cameras caught him delivering a message to Igor Sesterkin, hey, we'll be back. So um, I, I think this this would uh, mean that Chris Kreider does not want to leave the Rangers. Um, and you know, now that I think about it, yes, it would make sense to trade a guy like Chris Kreider just because it's like you're never, you know, we're probably not going to expect that kind of season again from him. But at the same time, it's just like, like even like a story like that, I'm just like, okay, he this guy really wants to be on the Rangers for the foreseeable future. He's a leadership guy. He's probably going to be a captain um, eventually. So it's just, I I can see Chris Kreider, like, yeah, I, maybe you don't make him the, maybe you do trade him. It, there is something to that. But um, at the same time, it's just like, this guy's been in on the Rangers forever. Um, he that, that would be a good captain um, if they are. I don't think they have a captain. So That's funny you mentioned that because yep. uh, here are the assistant yep. captains. Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, yep. Chris Kreider, who we mentioned, Barkley Goudreau, odd, yep. Jacob Truba, so and Ryan Strom too. So yep. that's one, two, three, four, five, six assistants, but no captain. Yep. So, um, so yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. That would have been yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So he's, it, it, I guess, in a way, the de facto leader yep. of that group. Yeah, exactly. I. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, that would have been, now I want to see them. I, that, I wonder, that, that could change things, honestly. I wonder what would have happened if they won the cup, because, like, who gets the who gets the cup? Probably Kreider. Yeah, true. Probably Kreider. I don't Kreider. think it's Panarin, because I'm pretty sure he said he doesn't want to be the captain of any right, team. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I, yeah. But, like, of those guys you listed, I think Kreider makes the most sense. Yeah. Because, um... I was thinking maybe you make Adam Fox the captain if you trade Kreider, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think you can trade Chris Kreider. 
It's um, yeah. Um, also, I just checked his contract. I don't think they can because they yeah. gave a no move clause. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so. It. Um, yeah, never mind. If they do move him, uh, he at least calls where he goes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's the other reason. We should we should uh, that was a that was a dumb thing for both of us. Uh, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I I really hope that contract ages well, honestly, yeah. because again, with their depth at left wing, yep. uh, one of those three guys, uh, Panarin, Kreider, and Lafreniere, could suffer. Yep. Because of the money committed to line one and two. So right, right, yeah. It was also weird because I remember they they signed Chris Kreider before they knew that they were getting Lafreniere. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, like, so yeah. so now the question becomes okay, do you trade uh what what hurts more? Uh trading a face of the franchise player in Chris Kreider or trading away a first overall gem that everyone yeah. thought was the biggest thing since sliced bread and giving up on him too early. Yeah. Or like yeah, I I don't want to be in that PR mess, I'll tell you what. Right, right. Or I or maybe you move like Kreider to the right wing or something, or yeah, you make him a center. Yeah, that easy fix uh, is is move one of those guys. Can uh, Lafreniere be a center? Maybe that's the solution. Maybe Lafreniere uh, could be a center. Yeah, uh, Lafreniere says he has experience right wing, so there's so oh, there's that. Yeah, uh, Kreider is a predominant left winger, so I don't think you can really swap him out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Fair. Which which could be uh, another simple situation where. Uh, you look at a guy like Ryan Strom, if you don't see him as a center uh, and you see him more as a winger, you open up that slot so you can put Lafreniere there and he gets a top six spot there. Yeah, Because yeah. I definitely think in the playoffs he proved that it's at least worth a look at giving him a significant sample size on one of the wings. Right, right. Um, okay. The... Um, all right. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that Kraftsoft signed, um, so that should be interesting. There was like a report that he requested a trade um, um, in the offseason, but he did play in the KHL. He wasn't. He was decent in the KHL, so um, it's a good sign that like at least he's signing with the Rangers. But I wonder if it's like a RV situation where um, he like you know like maybe uh, we'll see how he does in the in New York and then. Um, and then um, if he does well, they decide to keep him and he's happy or, or maybe they trade him. Um, I, I think the same thing they're doing with uh, Jake DeBrusque in Boston. Like they signed him to a contract and then they um, and maybe they uh, trade him off if he still wants to be traded. So we'll see. Um, Taking a look at uh, his numbers, actually, 13 points in 19 regular season games. Then the playoffs come around. He has seven goals and 10 points in 15 games. So you're right. Respectable numbers, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the KHL, so it's like, and he's still yeah. like pretty young. So um, yeah, he's uh, currently 22 years old, and he won't be 23 until December. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's not bad for for sure. Um, all right. Um, so now we go to the Avs and the Tampa Bay Lightning series. This is actually going to be a pretty fun one because I like yes the the Lightning have won the last two Stanley Cups and uh, they're, uh, you know, and they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, which hasn't been done in, um, since the 1980 New York Islanders. Um, so um, it's impressive, even if they lose 
um, and get swept by Colorado, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, but um, so it's like, you know, this is like, you know, not only like did they do this in a salary cap era where like there's supposed to be all this parity, but they're doing this in a flat cap as well, which makes it even harder. Uh, so it's just it's just incredible to see them play, even though, you know, they're in my division. And uh, I, yeah, of course, I, th I think, you know, you'd be lying to yourself if you're a fan of the other 30, 31 teams and think like, you know, and, and saying you're not jealous of them. Of course, you're, you're jealous of this of this team and their franchise, but um, we'll see. Um, in terms of uh, Colorado, uh, Kale McCarr had has 22 points overall in this. I'm, I'm doing the the pl playoffs overall. Uh, Kale McCarr has 22 points in 14 games. Um, you have Nathan McKinnon with 18 points. It was funny uh, during the during the the trophy handout um you could see that like there was talk among the whole group of Col the colorado avalanche of like if they're going to touch the trophy or if they're not there's some superstition and you could see like mckinnon like because you you know that he's secretly like this like crazy control freak kind of person who believes in all this superstition stuff and then um and then you yeah, can the see the Tampa Bay Lightning touched the Prince of yeah, Wales because yeah, they, they won back-to-back -back cups yeah, yeah, and, and uh, nothing it. really matters. But uh but Joe Sackick uh, came down the locker room and just relayed to saying like, "Hey, touch the puck." And if anyone knows what to do in that situation, it's Joe Sackick. So, uh Gabriel Landeskog touches the puck, but it was funny seeing Nathan McKinnon's eyes cuz you could tell he was like he was not happy, which is funny cuz it's like this is your first chance in the Stanley Cup Finals, but it's like you could tell all of them were like, "Yeah, this is fun, exciting," but it's like you know they still have to win four more games, so it was, it, it was intense, and and that's the perfect way to describe Nathan McKinnon. Anyways, McKinnon has 18 points in um in these playoffs. Brantonen has 17. Uh, Landeskog has 17. Um, it's unclear if Kadri is going to be back. I assume this because they swept and the the Rangers Lightning played a little bit longer than. Um, than the abs did that like you know Kadri had a bit of rest but we'll see how uh, what the latest is on him but he has 14 points um, in that um, I, I do want to shout out Devin Tays who had 13 points um, that's kind of um, good for him of course um, and then you have Arteri Lettinen who had the overtime goal in game four this is a nice it was a nice play um, but yeah, this is his second straight Stanley Cup Finals, um, and uh, yeah. Also, uh, for the second straight year, he scored an OT to send his team to the finals. Uh, oh yeah, he did it with right. Montreal last year that. and Colorado this year. Forgot about that, but uh, yeah. So he uh, he looked good, but yeah, he had 11 points in 14 games. Kind of underrated a little bit. Uh, and then lastly, oh, I have two other ones to get to. Uh, Nichushkin has nine points in 14 games. And Bowen Byram has seven points in 14 games as well. So, uh, so yeah, uh, those are guys to watch out for for Colorado. I, I know I just basically listed everyone. Um, in terms of uh, Tampa Bay, um, of course, you have Kucherov, um, who's a monster, 23 points in 17 games. Uh, Palat has 16 points in 17 games. Uh, then you have Stamkos with 15 points in 17 games. Um, two of those goals were in uh, the last game. Um, so that was pretty much the, the thing there. 
Corey Perry, who is, you know, he played against the Tampa Bay Lightning the last two times. Now he's on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, he gets his shot here uh, to play for the team. Let's see if, um, you know, it's one of those, like, you know, bold move, Cotton, let's see if it works out type of type of thing. Um, eight points in 17 games. Um, Ross Colton, interestingly, uh, has eight points in 17 games. Sergachev has seven points in 17 games. Uh, Nicholas Paul has seven points. Uh, Hegel has five. Anthony Sorelli has five points. Um, I did see this stat here that was insane. Let me see if I can pull this up from Anthony Sorelli. It's like, yeah, he has five points, but um, he has not uh, given up a goal in either side. Like, when he's on the ice, um, power play, shorthanded, doesn't matter. Uh, he has not given up a goal, and there hasn't been any goals when he's been on the ice. Uh, no one is scoring with, this is from Dom uh, Dmitry Filipovich, um, no one is scoring with Anthony Sorelli on the ice, and he's been a, such a beast. Uh, uh, um, 5v5 minutes, uh, he has 250 minutes, 5v5 this postseason, including 60 versus Zabinijad and uh, 52 against First Matthews, and 25 against Barkov. Six total goals in all of that time. That is insane. Um, so, um, so yeah, that, that, that's pretty good uh, for Anthony Sorelli. Um, and then, um, although he's not scoring just yet, so I won't call him Patrice Bergeron Jr. just yet, but of course that, you know, <laughs> that statistic is nuts. Um, speaking about uh, crazy statistics, um, this will be the first Stanley Cup Finals since 1980, so 40 years ago, that a teammate of Yamir Yager won't win a uh, Stanley Cup, um, which is insane. It's, it's, it tells more about Yamir Yager than anything, but um, it's just insane that, that that's even a statistic or a, a thing. So, so Wasn't that's Yarmer Yager drafted in 1990 as well? You said 1980. Yeah, yeah, because you like if you count, I, I think they counted like the players like it, like predates Yarmer Yager even. Um, so you count like the, the players who were like future teammates of Yarmer Yager who had won before. Oh, was, okay, future. Okay. Um, Interesting. So, so yeah, that um, let me. I I'm trying to pull that up here. Um, and lastly, before we get to the predictions and what we should watch for, um, this is the Foot Family series, and what I mean by that is Adam Foot, who is uh, uh, the Avs defenseman uh, for that the Avs dynasty in the late '90s. Um, he played for the Avalanche. His son Cal Foot um, plays for Tampa right now, so I am curious to see what. Um, I, I would imagine he, he he probably doesn't care who wins because. Um, but I, I would imagine he wants to see his son play, so he's probably he's in a weird situation there. Um, yeah, yeah, they counted. So I look back here; they counted Brian Trottier, who played with Yager in 1980. So I, I guess that's the that's what they say. Mark Messier apparently played with Gamer Yager one of these one of these times. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. But um, okay, so uh, yeah. Um, Oh, and lastly, this is also the Pierre-Edouard Belmar series and the Brian Elliott series. 
I know very obscure, but uh, we we have to keep this uh, shtick going. That uh, you know, yeah. we would we would have to for that uh, Stanley Cup Finals preview. So, uh, anything else that I didn't mention uh, that we should watch out for in this in this playoffs or in this series? Um, that Tampa isn't faced by anything. Yep. I mean, they like last time we were talking, Brett. They were twenty minutes away from going down three games to none against the Rangers. And they come out with a period of their lives, outshoot the Rangers 19 to 6, 51 to 30 in the game, and they get back in the series. They're only down 2 1, and then they tie it. Then they go ahead with two goals from Kale Sergachev, and then two goals from Steven Stamkos uh, in game six, one of which happened seconds after the Rangers tied it at one in game six. They, they, just, they just keep finding ways to win. So it doesn't honestly matter. Um, if Colorado goes up 2 nothing within the first five minutes, as they've been known to do, they score goals in bunches. Uh, never count Tampa Bay out of a series. And the one thing that I will say as this series is going on is appreciate that the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the finals and not be all sully like the Golden State Warriors. Oh, here they are again. Can we get somebody else in the final? Maybe that'd be great. I'm sick and tired of watching these guys. We're witnessing NHL history, folks. Whether you realize it or not, we're witnessing NHL history. If the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup, their third straight, this is the best dynasty in league history, period. No no questions asked, no debate, no discussion. I know the Habs have had their fair share of dynasties. The Leafs and Red Wings have had a few. Uh, you, you mentioned the four straight championships and the five straight finals by the Islanders in the 80s. Brett, that was great. Oilers. Uh, four cup, five years for the Oilers, also in the 80s. Yes, that was great. And you've had a couple of yep. back-to-backs in there as well from teams like Detroit and Pittsburgh. But if you look at the body of work that Tampa has played, the fact that they are not going into the playoffs 18 and a half million over the cap this time. And their entire third line was decimated due to the salary cap. And they're still here competing for a third straight Stanley cup after the 2020 bubble, after a shortened season last year, after a very short summer this year, it's incredible that they're competing for a third straight finals. And if they win it, like, they've already established themselves as a very interesting dynasty that everyone's going to remember. If they win the finals, they've secured their place in NHL history. Yep. And we'll never see another dynasty like this again. Yep. So just appreciate the fact that Tampa's in the finals and yep. don't be mad that they're there. Appreciate greatness, folks. Yeah, even, yeah I totally agree. Even if they, like, uh, completely blow up uh, next season... <laughs> Which I guess is possible, but, uh, you know, you never know with this league. But, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think the thing that's interesting about this whole thing is that, like, they play the Dallas Stars in the bubble tournament, which is very, you know, the bubble tournament is hard in its own right. Um, and then, um, you know, you play the Montreal Canadiens uh, the next year. Um, and, you know, no disrespect to any those two teams, um, you know they were they were pretty good. They they had a good run. Um, none of they they don't they don't even come close to the amount of talent that the Colorado Avalanche have. Um, and not only that, but you look at the yeah. body of workload that Tampa Bay has had. Yep. They go through the Maple Leafs. Yep. That have 
a 60-goal scorer in Austin Matthews, yep. Mitch Marner, and all those guys. Right. You look at the Florida Panthers who took on the freaking President's Trophy. You look at the Rangers that finished with the same amount of points as them and found yep. a way to beat them, I think, in all three regular season meetings. And throughout all of that time, Tampa hasn't had home ice advantage in the entirety of this playoffs, and that's going to continue right to the end because Colorado right. had a better season than them. Yep. And Tampa was a team that got 100-plus points, yet – they were they still entered this uh playoffs this year's playoffs as the third seed in the atlantic division so they've been i guess you could say technically the underdogs throughout this yeah as weird as that run, sounds yeah and they're still here yeah yeah as weird as that sounds it's crazy um i actually i think i saw this statistic you you mentioned the maple leafs uh they um oh no never mind the last Okay. Oh, this doesn't actually work. Never mind. Well, okay. The one thing I will say about the Leafs also, you mentioned the Leafs. Oh, no, no. I, I wonder okay. how many of them are very pissed off that they're just like, this could have been us. Yeah, yeah. We could be in the finals right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, were th- we had Tampa on the ropes game six overtime. Instead, yeah. we're sitting them watching play in the finals again. Okay, I, I found it here. So... The uh, so the two uh, so go back to the 2018 2019 season. Uh, they yep. lose to the Bruins in the first round. Bruins go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Great. Uh, uh no, they lost to Columbus, who then lost to the well. Bruins. They go to, I said they go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, then uh, the the bubble year happens, they don't even make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, they did lose to the Blue Jackets in the qualifying rounds, but that... Oh, we're talking about the Leafs. Sorry, I thought we were talking about Tampa, my bad. Okay, continue. Yep, continue. continue. So they they lose to the the Blue Jackets, uh, and technically that's the bubble. That wasn't really the playoffs. Uh, They're out. Then um, in 2020-2021, they lose in the first round to the Montreal Canadiens. And the Canadiens go to the Stanley Cup Finals. And this year... They lose in the first round to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Lightning make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So that means the three straight years, or not straight years, but three of the four years, I guess I should say, the the last three times the Leafs have made the playoffs, they've lost in the first round to the eventual Stanley Cup Final list. Um, Yes, you know, the Bruins and the Canadians ended up losing those, those games anyways, but, or that series anyways, but, and you know who knows about the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it is really, really funny that they ended up, um, like to make matters worse, is that they ended up losing to a team that ended up being in the Stanley Cup Finals to the point where it's a trend. <laughs> so I've also come up with a conspiracy yeah. theory that I hope uh, is actual fact that uh, Tampa Bay is slowly making yeah. f- up for every single game it lost to Columbus in 2019. <laughs> yeah, yes. Like, game yeah. one, okay, one Stanley Cup, got yeah. it. Game two, okay, we got yeah. another one, got it. Oh, we're aiming for yeah. a third now. <laughs> God help oh, us I see. if we get to a fourth. So by that logic, that means they're going to win this year, they're going to win next year. <laughs> I, I mean, it'd yeah. be a pretty fun story if, if they, <laughs> if they that's, complete if a that's what they were, and then yeah. add enough for a fourth. I will say, it is. I know that they ended up becoming a dynasty like we were just talking about, but um, <laughs> it is still really, really funny that they lost. Yeah. They got swept by the Blue Jackets. Um, but um, Part of me wonders, though, if they're even this good if they beat Columbus in that series. Like, uh, I feel like that series really taught them a lot and it's responsible for them yeah. being as successful as they've been the past two or three years. You could definitely make that case, especially like, 
Because I feel like all these times, like in game three, for in, or sorry, uh, yeah, game three, um, when all of a sudden the lightning starts scoring, um, and you're just like, oh, okay, the lightning have woken up. It's just like, it, and yeah. I, I, like I imagine the Rangers are just all of a sudden they're like, they're feeling that too. And like the same thing happened in game six of uh, the Toronto series where like Toronto thought they had it and then Tampa scores and they win the game in game six. And you're like, and, T- and Toronto's just like, you know what? Okay, we, we can't do this. I know we're the Leafs, but, um, and this is a different team, but um, you know, it's just like, you know, I think there is some kind of like thing where like, yeah, teams are intimidated once the Lightning have anything uh, against them. So. Um, heavy, like, you know, it's just like they're, they're never out. They should never be counted out. Um, and it's always someone different coming up in the clutch. Yep. Like we mentioned, Mikhail Sergachev with the yep. two goal game, Stamkos with the two goal game, yep. Ross Colton and Corey Perry right. and Patrick Maroon scoring yep. goals. Oh, and uh, Andre Palat, a guy that down that kind of had a down year offensively yep. in the conference finals against the Rangers, statistically speaking, he was one of their top players. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, having said all that, and I, I did mention this before, um, it is crazy and impressive that they even made it to this this far, especially with a cap league. It's, and you know, you were mentioning like all those dynasties in, in years past. It's like the game is so much different and so much harder uh, to play that like even like yes, I know the bubble tournament. You could you could kind of cut them off for that and the weird playoffs structure that was last year as well like yeah maybe but like you know like this is going to be the first team um in the finals that i i feel like the colorado avalanche uh, like if you combined all the like the three pa- the past three years like and you told me who are the best two teams in the league are i would say the tampa bay lightning are and the colorado avalanche are um so yeah. it's like this is the best on best basically and um yeah i i think they can go pound for pound too because like yes we were talking up tampa bay and their depth it's amazing colorado has pretty good depth too so it's yeah. um so it's it's like if if any team can beat this tampa bay lightning team it's the colorado avalanche um and so yeah that takes us to our predictions here um and yeah, I, I know I did just talk up the Tampa Bay Lightning. I wouldn't be shocked if it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, especially because I still I still have concerns about Darcy Kemper. We don't know if Nazem Kadri is going to be back. But I've been sticking with the Colorado Avalanche for the last two years. Um, I I think I think it's the time for the Colorado Avalanche, and I'm gonna, I you know I, I think it's gonna be uh, I think Colorado is gonna win in seven. Um, I I would be shocked if this is a sweep or uh, ends in five games, but yeah I I, I think it's gonna be a battle. I'm looking forward to it, but um, yeah I, I think I think the edge goes to the Colorado Avalanche. I have to stick with my guns at this point. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. And I, you know what? I would like to see Nathan McKinnon win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, that'd be great. Too. That that'd be that'd be so much fun. Yeah, and and hockey would love it. The fans yeah. would love it. And not just that. Um, I mean, like most of the team, it's like you know, all of them are lovable guys too. So um, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They and they have a great young future too. Yeah. like they they got a lot of veteran I talent, mean, but also yeah. a lot of guys in their prime and a lot of guys that even hit their prime yet. Right, right. And like Nathan we were just talking about this off the air. Nathan McKinnon's making six point one million. Um it's it's insane. <laughs> That's his yeah. contract. So 
and uh, and you talk about Tampa and how much their core they can keep around. Yeah. Colorado's going to have some right. uh, fun conversations to have this Because Kadri's a free agent we'll this year, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, speaking of when the series is done, I think Tampa's still going to find uh-huh. a way just because Tampa's got that knack where it's just like you, uh, that that uh, equalizer from the Rangers, for example, in game six. Like, not even 30 full seconds had gone past, and Tampa took the lead again. It's one of those things where, like, Tampa just decides, we're winning this game, and there's right. nothing you can do to stop us. Yeah. They, they just find ways to get goals. Also, you mentioned those uh, notable avalanche injury news, uh, Nazem Kadri and Darcy Kemper, and where that goes. Uh, read on NHL.com that uh, Braden Point's return to the Tampa lineup could be pretty likely for the finals. So uh, if 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 uh, all of a sudden he comes back and uh, he's raring to go and he starts producing, that's another weapon in Tampa's lineup that has that clutch gene of just coming up with big plays at key times. And we saw it frequently during the 2020 playoffs. We haven't seen it much this year. This would be a perfect time for uh, Braden Point to rekindle some of that offensive magic. And even if Darcy Kemper is fully healthy, you have to outduel Andre frickin' Vasilevsky, who has shown in the past that he can just steal games by himself and Tampa wins. Um, so it, as long as Tampa has enough gas left in the tank, I think they take it in seven. It's going to be very, very close. It's going to come down to the final few plays and the final minutes of regulation. But I think they get it done. And uh, it should also be noted that uh, Colorado has made two trips to the finals uh, in their team's history, and they've won both of them. So they are currently undefeated in Stanley Cup Finals history. Tampa has won three of their four all-time meetings, including, of course, um, the past two. Um, so, yeah, uh, either way, it should be a fun series. It's going to be right down to the wire. And uh, while we're talking about predictions, this much I will guarantee, Kale McCarr gets the con Smythe, win or lose. He will get the con Smythe. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. There, there is like a report that you maybe you have uh, Connor McDavid win the like if there's any time when you have an eliminated... if there's any time it happens it's this year. Yeah, for sure. You can make a but, strong case for McDavid. Yeah, but McCarr yeah. is what twenty two points in fourteen games. That's also yeah. scary good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I am curious to see. Like, I don't know if McDavid. Like, I feel like that's such a stretch. Like to have the player on a team that ended up not making it to the Stanley Cup Finals. But I could I could definitely buy like a team like win or lose um, to like win the win the con smite. I feel like that's something that we'll see in our lifetime. I, didn't that happen with uh, J.S. Jaguar? I think that's Yeah, the, it did. Yeah. He, he uh, and despite was, coming up short in a seven game series yeah. to the Devils in 03, he got the con and, and he deserved it, um, rightfully. Heck so. stall in 87 against the Oilers as well was another mention. It's Ooh. usually goalies that get it, but uh, wait, that could change with the way McCarr is playing. Or wait, who was the other guy? I missed that. Uh, Ron Hextall in 87 oh, with the Flyers uh, ah. almost single-handedly beat the Oilers. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, the Oilers one. still had Gretzky then and uh, proved to be too much for them. But, yeah, yeah he he, uh, he was actually uh, dead sound in the dressing room. And uh, Mike Keenan, the coach of the Flyers, told him to get back on there because they had to wear the Smythe and he got it. So. Interesting. 
I imagine uh, Tim Thomas would have won it if they if the Bruins ended up. Yeah, Tim Thomas if the Bruins had come up short would probably be yeah. another name too. Maybe yeah, I think idea. you're onto something that maybe it is just like a goalie can win it. But yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> a goalie and nobody else. Yeah, that's the, the only one the who only can exception. yeah who can only do it. Um, all right, uh, that that's about it for us. Um, you can yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this Stanley Cup Finals. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you are. You can follow us on Lace uh, on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts or SoundCloud. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellis. We'll talk again in episode 325 of the Lace Them Up Podcast.